Welcome to A Voice of Reason with your host, Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdell. We are offered new opportunities for growth daily. And with new opportunities, challenges are presented. Together, we can address the challenges and explore these opportunities. Now, here's Kathy Horton with Sherry Petro-Serdell. Welcome to A Voice of Reason. This is Kathy Horton, and I am with Sherry Petro-Serdell. This June, National Geographic, the cover story was titled, Why We Lie. You know, Sherry, I heard you speak on this topic this summer, and I thought it'd be great content for our show. Can you please kick things off with helping us better understand the psychology behind lying? Hmm. Well, as far as we know, there is nothing new about lying. You know, from the beginning of the story of Adam and Eve, to George Washington, who quite possibly lied when his legend said he could not tell a lie. Hmm. Historians even say the story was probably a lie. I say there really is nothing new under the sun. It can just come packaged differently, you know, dressed differently, like the changes in clothing over the years. But lying is a part of us, and it's here to stay. Well, that is definitely true. No matter what style of clothing comes out, no matter the fashion statement, it's still just clothing. So can you tell us more about the psychology of lying? Well, the whole show is going to be about that. But let me start with some research. Research has suggested that lying is just about fear. Fear of not being good enough. Fear of being rejected. Fear of being punished. And fear of being discovered as an imposter in some way. You know, last on last week's show, the program about wisdom of Anne Frank, she described herself as having an inside self and an outside self and that they were different. And she was afraid if she showed her true self, she'd be ridiculed. So that is a fear many of us have. We know that children often appear to lie for no reason. And there are some researchers that believe that lying is very much a part of their cognitive development and is necessary. Well, Sherry, you know, I mentioned the June article, Why We Lie, from National Geographic. Can you please share with us the Cliff Notes view version of the article? You know, I cannot lie. I really, oh, George Washington. <laughs> I really enjoy the executive summary. I've found that the condensed versions are quite helpful. Haven't we all? I think a lot of us got through some tough classes with those cliff notes. And sort of, I think this show, A Voice of Reason, is really about giving people who are very busy, giving them cliff notes. Mm-hmm. So there is some very interesting and relevant information that has come out of research about lying, particularly at this time when lying is at the forefront of the news constantly. When we don't know what is fact or what is alternative fact, which we don't know what alternative fact means, or is it just a plain old-fashioned lie? Hmm. So let's start with the question, what makes us lie? According to that article, they took research and they broke it down into the reasons people lie and then the percentages of lies that are attached to those reasons. So 22% of lies are about personal transgressions. In other words, it's to cover up a boo-boo we made, a mistake or a misdeed. 16% are about economic advantage, 
to gain financial benefits. 15% is personal advantage, benefits beyond money, attention, that type of thing. 14% is avoidance. It's to escape or avoid people. Hmm. You know, when someone says, can you go out and do something with me? And we say, oh, no, I have to wash my hair tonight. Um, That kind of, I just don't want to be around them or I want to be by myself, but we won't say it. Hmm. 8% is self-expression. It's ego. It's about to shape our image, about us shaping our image to look really good. Now, here's that 7% that is so, I think, interesting. It's unknown. It's unclear to even why one is lying. The liar often doesn't know. So when our children say, when we say, why did you lie? Why did you do that? And they say, I don't know. That could be very well the truth. So that's the unconscious motives for lying, that because it's unconscious, we don't know. 5% is to entertain people, you know, make them laugh. And 5% is truly altruistic. It's wanting to help people. It's not wanting to hurt people. Then we come to 4%, which is malicious lies that's meant to hurt and meant to deceive in a a mean way. And last category is 2% is pathological lying. And when I'm describing pathological lying here, it's really about ignoring or disregarding reality. Wow, this is all very interesting. You know, a couple of things come to mind with this information. Most people enjoy talking about themselves. And when people focus on themselves, I can see how lying and exaggeration can easily come into play. As, you know, that way your stories, the stories you tell, will stay interesting. (laughs) With the percentages that you share from the article, I guess it's a good thing that the pathological and malicious lies are the lowest percentage. But, you know, it's really sad that people need to cover up personal transgression. It seems to me without addressing it, you're just not forgiving yourself. And that, to me, is the most important thing to do. Yeah, that's an interesting point it's not one that I thought of but it's true if we don't recognize and accept um, our misdeeds then we can't forgive ourselves right well the largest percentage of lies are made to cover up that mistake or that misdeed or wrongdoing so if we take 22 percent and the eight percent that is about the ego and needing to look good we now have 30 percent of all of the lies are about needing to look like someone we're not. And that is where the shame factor comes in. And then you add 31% for economic or personal advantages. And now you have 61% of all lies are all about what benefits or cover-ups, cover-ups for us. And it doesn't benefit anyone. Wow. I find that all very fascinating. You know, it seems to me that people will take great risks for personal gains. Mm -hmm. And it certainly seems there are a lot of fragile egos running around out there. That is true. That's not a lie. (laughs) So let me share with you some of the lies that have come down from so many different arenas, the politics, the sports, the science, the entertainment. And sometimes we're caught up in what's happening now and we think it's the worst ever. And I'm not saying it's not bad, but lying has been going on 
for as long as there has been a human condition. So let's start with um, a lie that ended a president's term. Now, no, not this president, our current president, at least not yet. This was a lie that President Nixon declared when he said, I am not a crook. Hmm. You know, despite findings of wiretaps and secret tapes and documents and hush money that he paid out, he still claimed his innocence. I am not a crook. And we don't want to leave our current president out lest he feel slighted. So Donald Trump's one lie that we're going to mention is, I won the popular vote if you deduct the millions of people who voted illegally. Hmm. Now, despite any evidence of that being true, he holds to it as if it were the gospel. Oh, and how about this one? This one is in this, from the sports arena. You know, in 1919, the World Series was being played. The favored team was the Chicago White Sox. They were favored to win over the Cincinnati Reds. But for some reason, seven of them threw the game. When asked why, the pitcher said, I don't know why I did it. I must have been crazy. Or how about Lance Armstrong, okay? He said this, I have said it for longer than seven years. I have never doped. Now, Kathy, I know you're an avid cyclist. Did you believe him when he said he never doped? No, you know, I didn't. Um, There just seemed to be this knowing that doping was pretty rampant in the sport of cycling. And let me say, I have tremendous respect for the discipline and the fitness of all the pro cyclists. But I, at the end of the day, believed Lance was doping. But at the time, I thought he was not doing anything beyond what most of the top cyclists were doing. Hmm. Boy, was I wrong. I think you were wrong on two counts. One is that we happen to accept the fact of situational lying. And we also then lessen our honesty when we think, well, if everyone else is doing it, then it's not quite so bad. Oh, good point. Let me give you another example. How about R.J. Reynolds, the CEO of a large tobacco company? He had testified during the 1994 congressional hearing, and this is what he said. Cigarette smoking is no more addictive than coffee, tea, or Twinkies. <laughs> Where that came from, I don't know. Even though the tobacco industry had known for decades, had the research, that nicotine was one of the most highly addictive substances. Well, this all makes me wonder, who can I believe? <laughs> now, how, how can we know if someone's lying and how can we know if we can trust another? Well, this is a question I believe all of us would like to have answered, particularly right now. But other than carrying a lie detector machine around with us, there really isn't an answer. Somewhere we have to be able to trust ourselves. Mm-hmm. Even when the evidence is clear to the contrary, we still choose to stick with the liar's lie. Hmm. So, Sherry, if I'm hearing what you're saying, that even when the facts are right in front of us, people will often still choose to believe the lie. Mm -hmm. This certainly is evident in the news we are hearing these days. Yes, and that is what I'm saying. In the National Geographic 
article, a research project was cited that demonstrates this, and I find this scary and fascinating at the same time. The University of Western Australia documented the ineffectiveness of evidence-based information. This is how the research project worked, and it was very statistically significant. It was conducted with 2,000 American adults. And what it showed that despite being shown that there was no scientific data to agree with the statement that was made by a prominent person, they were, and they were educated on that this is, there's nothing that says this is legitimate, they still chose to agree with the unsubstantiated statement. They chose to believe the lie. So here's how the project went. 2,000 people of different political persuasions were given one of two, given, and they had to select one of two statements. Vaccines cause autism. Or, number two, Donald Trump said vaccines cause autism. Trump, you know, had repeatedly spoke of the link that he believed to be true, and he had evidence of it, between autism and vaccines. Trump supporters showed a decidedly stronger belief in the untruth when it was the second sent, um, choice of uh, sentences. They, If it said Trump's name was attached to it and they were Trump supporters, they believed it. Wow. And then afterwards, they were... Um, got they were put together and they were given information from various scientists um, about large scale studies that showed that vaccine vaccinations and autism link there was no connection it was absolutely false well the participants all then across the political spectrum trump or not trump supporters accepted that statement and they said you know what i think you're right That is not true. So I thought, this is good news. They were willing to change their mind. Mm -hmm. Here's the clincher, though. A week later, the researchers went back and asked the group if they still believed the scientific evidence. Surprisingly, those who believed that Trump said it, it was real, they recanted it and went back to their original argument, and they stated, you know what? There must be some truth to it if our president said it. Hmm. Wow, is that very sad to hear. It is. Um, so, i tell you what, how do you explain that? <laughs> it seems almost ridiculous, unexplainable, but studies seem to indicate that evidence that undermines lies that we want to believe will actually strengthen them. So when, um, let's say, President Trump is being confronted or other people, not just him, are become being confronted with truth, it seems to strengthen the lie. And that's because people are likely to think that the first more familiar information is true. It gets etched in our brain and it's hard to jump that um, track. I also believe that people never want to be wrong. I mean, who wants to be wrong? So they will even believe a lie in the face of truth so they can make themselves right. You know, remember, 61% of all lying is about ego and personal and economic gain. Well, that certainly reminds me to always give up the need to be right. 
You know, and I also think of this great book that I read by Carol Dweck. It's called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. In this book, Carol introduces two types of mindsets. One is a fixed mindset. This is the belief that your qualities are carved in stone. And this belief often will create an urgency to prove yourself over and over. If you believe that you only possess a certain amount of intelligence, a certain personality, and a certain moral character, then you'd better prove that you have a very healthy dose of all these things. You know, our society values these characteristics, so this is all pretty understandable. Ego and the need to exaggerate can come into play with this mindset. Mm-hmm. Carol introduces a second, mi- uh, second mindset in which these traits are not simply the hand you are dealt with. In this mindset, the hand you are dealt is just the starting point for development. This is a growth mindset, and it is based on the belief that your basic qualities are things that you can cultivate through your efforts. So people of this mindset believe that a person's true potential is unknown, that it's impossible to foresee all of what can be accomplished and all of the possibilities to be explored. This exploration all happens with years of passion, work, and learning. Curiosity, asking questions, and exploration can come into play with this mindset. So Sherry, do you think that the mindset that we choose to embrace could play a role in whether we believe a lie? You know, I I certainly do. Because if the mindset is fixed and does, is not open to receiving any other information, then there are no other possibilities that could come up. And so when you don't have pos- other possibilities, new thoughts, then you aren't going to see things another way and you will believe a lie and you will lie to maintain that mindset. Hmm. <laughs> Shoot, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, are you saying that people just hear and believe what they want as long as it just fits into their belief system? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think um, this mindset stuff that you're talking about, not wanting to be wrong and that we'll believe anything that we want to believe, um, has a component to it. It's called the liar's advantage. Robert Feldman, a psychologist at the University of Massachusetts, coined this term. And this is what he said. People are not expecting lies. We don't walk around expecting someone to lie to us. People are not searching for lies. It's just that much of the time, we want to hear what we want to hear. In other words, they don't care if they're lies if they match our mindset. The research shows that because of this, liars have a special advantage because we put up little resistance to their deceptions, particularly if it pleases us. We believe, we believe what we want to believe, in other words. And then you add to the fact that we tend to believe people who look successful, who have wealth, power, and status. And so, therefore, that's the liar's advantage. Wow. So you just said that we often hear what we want to hear. And what I heard is very sad. 
Can you help us understand why this is the case? Maybe, just maybe, it's because of what society values, what we covet. Basically, I don't think we value truth so much anymore. We don't value truth as much as we value power, and that's what we listen to. Hmm. Well, I certainly have experienced this, so it makes sense to me. Now, when I was working in corporate America and traveling the world, I received a lot of attention. Now, it seemed that having money and what was considered to be a good job brought instant credibility and stature. Mm-hmm. Now, especially when that job has a fancy title to go along with it. Now, if we want to hear... If what we want to hear is based on our belief system, how does the belief system itself come into existence? Well, actually, most of our belief systems come from the family we came into, the experiences we had in early developmental phases of our life. If one is born into a family that felt any one or any religion different than theirs, threatening, that will get instilled into a belief system into their children. You know what the wonderful news is that not everyone buys their family's belief systems and many of us challenge it. Often, in that challenge, we will come across a teacher, a mentor, a friend's family that doesn't have a fixed mindset and they are open to all possibilities and that causes us to have a growth mindset. Just remember, the initials for belief system is BS, and we all know what BS stands for much of the time, don't we? (laughs) Yes, we sure do. So this helps me understand how in a family you can have extreme differences in beliefs around politics, spirituality, and more. I really appreciate uh, getting that, that information. So it's time for a short break. I encourage you to click on a Voice of Reason in the show link link section. You can check out Sherry's book and meditation CD, and we'll see you on the other side of our break. Stay with us to hear about this fascinating idea of our belief systems. You're listening to A Voice of Reason on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Life carries many uncertainties. Just when we think we may know where we are headed or think we have what we need, life happens and we are redirected. Join host Trina Wines each week for Life Happens, Let's Talk. By hearing stories from people just like you, as well as guest experts who can help, you'll arrive at your own understanding of the role you play in creating the outcome of your life. Listen live every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to A Voice of Reason. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd prefer to connect via email, our address is info at avoiceofreasonbook.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to A Voice of Reason on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, Sherry, I attended your Release, Renew, Reclaim workshop, and that's where I discovered my BS. And folks, as a reminder, I'm talking about belief system. (laughs) So knowing this information, it's helped me tremendously as I can often recognize when my belief system is getting in my way. And I use this information to at least attempt to make better choices. And when I choose to feel sorry for myself, my best friend, that would be you, Sherry, is also aware of my BS, and you can remind me to move in a more positive direction. I know it's just my BS. It's not the truth. Mm -hmm. So, Sherry, for those that are not familiar with belief systems, can you help us understand what you're referring to? Yes, I can, but I first want to say that you also do a really good job of reminding me when I am stuck in a fixed (laughs) mindset about my BS. Mm -hmm. Well, I found understanding our belief systems uh, helps us with deciphering lies or deceptions and helps us know who we really are. You know, if you were raised in a family that said you were dumb, now maybe it didn't just come out like that. Maybe it sounded like, oh, she'll never be the one to go to college. Her grades just don't prove it. Or maybe a little bit more humorous. You know, he's not the brightest bulb in the room, but we like him. And this is repeated enough times by enough sources, teachers, coaches, family members, friends. You know what? We'll start to believe it. Doesn't mean it's the truth. So we may develop a BS that says, I'm dumb. And then we enact that out in our life. There's also a nature component in forming a BS. So maybe your nature is one that just kind of lackadaisically goes along and has that kind of personality and kind of gives up on things pretty easily. As a result of that, you might develop a BS of, I can't, I just can't. You'll hear that coming up in children when they learn to tie their shoes or to do something new. Some children will use that I can't excessively. In my workshop, I name eight different BSs in the human condition. Everyone has a primary and a secondary. So I figure that once we know our BS, then we can take a look at it, see it, and tell the truth about it, not believe a lie. So I hope you will consider maybe um, calling in and signing up for one of these workshops. 
You know, we have to be willing to give up lies to be free. The truth sets us free. And doing that, we have to give up our BS that is not the truth. Maybe it's been given to us. And then when that happens, we are more open to changing our minds and growing. We must not be attached to what we want to believe, but seek truth, even if it makes us wrong sometimes. Because you know what? In the end, we will be right because we counted on and backed truth. So again, the truth does set us free. It's free to be our own person, divinely designed, with this brilliant mind that we all have, and the ability to think for ourselves. I often say the key to success is look, see, and tell the truth. You may be wondering, well, what is the difference between looking and seeing something? You can observe something, like a vase of flowers, and you just, it's a vase of flowers. That is looking. Seeing is when you look at the colors and the intricacies of those flowers, and you even notice the thorns, and you even notice what you like about them and what you don't like about them. Well, it's the same way when we hear something that we may or may, that may, or may not be the truth, whether it's about a subject or we are the subject. We must be willing to look at it closely, check it out, see the truth. And this is where I ask myself these questions. Is this the truth? Do the facts support it? Do I believe it because of what, who said it to me? Do I believe it because it fits in my story? Much of the knowledge that we use to navigate through the world comes from what others have told us. We are hardwired to be trusting, but that can also make us extremely intrinsically gullible. Hmm. Remember the liar's advantage. We want to believe, especially if it matches what we've been taught to believe, and we are basically trusting people. And we don't expect people to flat out lie to us, particularly our parents and teachers. So when we start to honor the, those that look successful and are more powerful, we tend to lose what we believe. According to some research by George Lakoff, a cognitive linguist from the University of Berkeley in California, I want to quote, quote him. He said, if a fact comes in that doesn't fit in our frame of reference, beliefs, we will either ignore it, ridicule it, be puzzled by it, or attack it as if we perceive it is something threatening to our worldview. It really does take a lot of courage, Kathy, and an open mind to live in a growth mindset, to challenge our belief systems, or as George Lakoff calls them, our worldview. Mm-hmm. I'm going to finish with this part of this by saying that my master coach once told me that I needed to shine a conscious light on all my most cherished belief systems and be willing to dismantle them one by one, see if they're true, see if they're true for me now, and if I really benefit by holding on to them. I often ask myself, am I a better person because I believe this? Is it my belief or is it someone else's? You know, I really do want to be of a growth mindset. Wow, that's all great information. And I know I find all of this helpful in my efforts to show up a bit better each day. Now, also, once you know the different belief systems, they show up in many different ways. 
I found even in business meetings that often people will just tell you their belief system. Um, I would hear things such as, wow, I must be dumb, or <laughs> life is just hard. You know, typically these statements were made to be humorous, but once you know what you're looking for, you'll see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to thank you for your questions in looking at our belief systems. Those are really helpful. And thanks for fitting in the mindset, too. <laughs> so next, what's the mis- the um, what about the mistruths that mm-hmm. we tell because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings? Those little white lies, the harmless lies. Oh, you mean when your friend says, do I look good in this? Or do these jeans make me look fat, little white lies? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that's what you mean, huh? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let me remind you that out of all the lies told, these fit into only 10% of the lies, so it's really a small percentage, and it doesn't hurt anybody. Really? We all lie. It is thought that lying began with the onset of language. Bella DiPaolo of the University of California, Santa Barbara, says that most of us lie <laughs> once or twice a day, and usually from honorable or good intentions. Listen, a lie is still a lie. A lie has been defined as any time you intentionally try to mislead someone. So when you tell your friend she looks good in those jeans, you are intentionally misleading her. But we still call those little white lies for the good of the person. So if we all lie, most of us do not lie to cause harm. And many of the white lies are fairly innocent and even kind. What do you do? Well, the difference between little white lies and big black lies is when individuals use lies to manipulate others or to purposely mislead them for something that isn't for good. And unfortunately, this is happening all too frequently these days in our society. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting book by Sam Harris. It's not a very big book, and it's called Lying. In this book, he speaks of the danger of those little white lies. Sam Harris is a best-selling author, but not, not only an author, he's a neuroscientist. He argues that we can radically simplify our lives and improve society by merely telling the truth. And the truth, um, even if they're little white lies, these, um, even though we're saying them for the purpose of sparing people's discomfort and um, trying to make things smoother, what happens is that once we tell one lie, it makes it easier to tell another lie. Lie, it makes it tempting that, oh, that person felt good, they look okay in the jeans, no harm is done. And then the next time, it's easier to tell that lie again. And all of it's done while we're imagining ourselves to be really good people in this process, justifying it. You know, President Lincoln seemed to agree with that idea that white lies make life difficult. This is what he said. He said, it would be a lot easier if we all told the truth because no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. So the problem with little white lies is they make it easier to lie the next time. And with each lie, we get better and we get a little more comfortable to lie again. Maybe when our friend asks us if those jeans make her look fat, we could turn it around and say to her, 
Do you think they make you look fat? Because you know what? Your answer is the only one that really matters. Uh, That is just great. Great information. And it really helps put lying into perspective. The truth really is important. So let's go back to the big black lies then. The Hmm. ones that are meant to deceive and manipulate us. Robert Feldman, I mentioned him earlier, is also the author of The Liar in Your Life. And we seem to have a liar in our life, in our world, in our midst. And many of them. I mentioned earlier that the lying that goes on in politi- with political power on a regular basis, and now it seems to be a daily basis, what that has done has made us all cynical. We're cynical of the truth. I question when the facts are right in front of me. Hmm. So it makes um, what uh, Feldman says is that what it does, it makes for an unethical foundation and it weakens our democracy. He goes on to say that unfortunately the prevalence of these lies might stem from the way we were brought up. Remember that BS. If lying is seen acceptable in our family and in our social structures and in society, of course we will accept lying as acceptable. And we will also accept lying for us to do it ourselves. White lies have played a role in our social actions from a very young age. We tell children lies like there's an Easter bunny, a tooth fairy, and a Santa Claus. Well, I have a little humorous story about that. I almost got thrown out of a department store over the story (laughs) about Santa Claus. I had chose to not tell my children there was a real Santa because I wanted them to know that the gifts that they received were from real people who loved them and worked very hard for them. Oh, they still got to sit on Santa's lap and we had Santa Claus pictures around, but they knew that he was just kind of a a fun character. So I am in the department store, it's Christmas time, and I'm up to the counter to pay for my my presents, and a sales clerk asked my then five-year-old daughter, what's Santa bringing you for Christmas? It almost started a riot. The woman, (laughs) my daughter answered, well, there is no Santa Claus. My mommy and daddy say that everything that we get is from people that love me that worked really hard. The clerk, I thought she was going to faint. She kind of gasped and she said, what? You don't let your daughter believe in Santa Claus? Then the woman standing behind me said, that is terrible. That borders on child abuse. You're taking their childhood away from them. And then some customers gathered around and I couldn't wait to grab my children and get out of that store because we were so invested in a lie. And um, so it takes courage to say, I'm not going to tell a lie. Well, that is just a great story, and it really helps us understand that always telling the truth can be challenging at times. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to make some difficult decisions for ourselves. So, Sherry, we titled this program, What is the Biggest Lie? So, you, can you please tell us what's the world's greatest lie? It's found in a book by Paulo Calejo. It's his masterpiece work, and it's called The Alchemist. The Alchemist is a story of a shepherd boy in search of his personal legend. Now that means his life's purpose, his gold. The wise king there was named Melchizedek, and he becomes the shepherd boy's mentor. 
In this book, you will find the gold nugget of truth that explains the world's greatest lie. And it is a lie the world has given us, and we tell it to ourselves. So, are you kidding me? Don't stop. (laughs) Please, don't leave us in suspense. What is this greatest lie? (laughs) Well, you know, I want everyone to read the book. (laughs) Um, But this is often an assignment I give my coaching clients to read the book, particularly those who seem to be stuck in their search for their personal legend. People come in, writers who have writer's block for coaching, People come in when there's relationships that are going nowhere and they seem to be stuck. Or they have a goal and they get this close to it and they freeze. This is what I ask them to do. Read the book and here's the lie, Kathy. Oh, great. It is that at a certain point in our lives, we lose control of what is happening to us. And that happens because we believe our lives are no longer in our control but they are controlled by twists of fate and coincidences. Someone else has the power. That is the greatest lie. Well, it really is big, and I appreciate you finally sharing it with us. Now, it's important that we take a look at our belief system, and also we need to take a look at who and what we believe. Now, it's just scary to think that we can take all of these things into our being and then turn our destiny over to somebody else, isn't it? It is, and it's really big. How many of us have not done something because someone said we couldn't? So when we start believing the lie that circumstances and other people's voices and opinions are the strongest force over our own, then we stop believing that we have any power within us to be the very best version of the highest vision that we've dreamed of. We lose faith in ourselves, and when that happens, we turn our power over to others. And usually it's to people who appear to have power. You know, that certainly is worth remembering. It's time for a short break. I encourage you to click on a voice of reason in the show link section. You can check out our workshop offerings and our blog. We will see you on the other side of our break. Stay with us to hear about how all of this fits into the destiny of our country and our world. You're listening to A Voice of Reason on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. your better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution the voice america empowerment channel it's your world motivate change succeed broaden your mind open your heart for a greater understanding of how to express your pure and authentic nature tune in and turn on 1111 talk radio simron Author, publisher, and life mentor broadens minds and opens hearts to a greater understanding of life, consciousness, and humanity. 1111 Talk Radio is every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 1111 Talk Radio. You are not on a journey. You are the journey. You are experience experiencing itself. 
always known that something different was possible for your life and in the world? What if you could create beyond your current reality? If your relationships, finances, business, health, and life could be anything, what would they be? Join Heather Nichols for an invitation to discover what is true for you in every area of your life and for conversations loaded with pragmatic tools for how to create it. Listen live every Monday at noon Pacific and 9 p.m. Central European time for Creating Beyond Reality on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. You are listening to A Voice of Reason. To reach the show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd prefer to connect via email, our address is info at avoiceofreasonbook.com. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back to A Voice of Reason on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, earlier I had asked... What are we to do when knowing what is true happens to be challenging our faulty belief systems? Is this the answer to that question, to not believe the greatest lie? Since the greatest lie is that we are not in control or in charge of our own destiny and that we don't trust ourselves in a knowing that we really are in control. I think you stumbled on something. I think it is. Kathy, I want to ask you, what do you think? Um, Paulo Coelho was saying that when he wrote that the greatest lie is when we start believing that we no longer have charge of our own destiny. What does that mean to you? Well, it reminds me that I need to always listen and to be skeptical and curious. And in doing so, I need to be skeptical of my own thoughts and beliefs, beliefs first and foremost. You know, if we believe somebody else is in charge of our destiny, then we're not likely to put ourselves all in. Mm -hmm. This would make us feel powerless and we could easily acquiesce to the powers that be and it won't be us. You know, once we head down this path, it's easier to blame someone or something when things just aren't working out well. You know, and what a world it would be if every mistake I made was not my fault. (laughs) You know, I just know it's hard and it's a bit humbling to own our responsibility for all of our encounters and and our decisions. But taking that attitude gives you power over your destiny. My life might not always look like a masterpiece, but it certainly is mine. And I do know that I'm owning my part to positively influence my destiny. (laughs) I like that interpretation. (laughs) For me, as I'm trying to connect the dots about what's happening in our land and in our world, because we are under siege by lies, and looking at the research about what causes us to believe our lies, and that we are willing to support and value power more than truth 
-hmm. It could be that we've done exactly what the alchemist says. We've come to believe we have no power, so we must believe the power in control. When that happens, there will be no one speaking truth to power, and power will win. We need to remember true power comes from a growth mindset. Believing lies, not being able to discern when it's a lie, is very much connected to our belief system, and we have to learn to trust ourselves again. The research presented in National Geographic article states, our ability as a society to separate truth from lies is experiencing an unprecedented threat. When a society values power more than truth, it will experience more lying, and that's exactly what we have going. This article ends with these words, then what is the best way to impede this fleet-footed advance of untruths into our collected lives? The answer isn't clear. Technology has opened up a new frontier for deceit, adding a 21st century twist to the age-old conflict between lying and trusting ourselves. This article is suggesting that technology has something to do with the increase of lying. Kathy, you've been in the technology field much of your life. How do you think technology plays a role in this frontier of deceit? Well, first and foremost, my answer is just proliferation um, and how fast it all happens. But let me share a couple of uh, thoughts on this where things have changed. Now, I'd like to comment on the recent vote to end net neutrality. Net neutrality, as I understand it, is just keeping the Internet open and fair. So a classic example is that Comcast, or an Internet provider, can't slow down Netflix to make its own video streaming, more that service, more competitive. You know, with this recent vote, I believe, I believe it was just yesterday, when this goes into effect, someone can block, slow down, or ex- um, accept paid prioritization on access to content. I believe there are many implications with this. Now, you know Netflix will survive. They're a huge company. But what about the next cool startup company in this industry? Will they be blocked out before they have the cash to demonstrate their real value? I was very sad with the results of this uh, vote, and I think it's something we ought to pay attention to. You know, on another note, we need to be cognizant of fake news. I know as I do research for these shows, my level of diligence as a researcher is greatly enhanced from any previous research that I had done. I check out the sources and double check to ensure that someone is not trying to make an article appear that it came from a legitimate news source. Fake news is a global issue. You know, there was an incident in India where um, there were hoax messages about kidnappings and they were shared on WhatsApp. This led to the lynching of seven innocent people. You know, and we also know that once false information is quoted, posted, or used in any fashion, that it has an exponential equation effect. This false information has a new link and it'll be exposed to many new people. This false information can then spread very quickly. And then we have the problem with trying to retract false information. This often has the reverse effect of what is desired. You know, we're highlighting false information and essentially giving it new legs. 
We also battle something you stated early, and that is people often believe the first thing they hear. Well, thanks for that um, insert about technology and helps me understand a little bit better. What I want to say in closing is to add the fact that we have become a society that values power more than truth. This is a sobering fact. Where does that leave the real leaders, the teachers, those who stand for social justice, the mental health professionals, the volunteers, the nonprofits when it comes to being believed if we don't have any power and we don't look powerful? Now, how do we change social values? Because if it is true that power is more valued than the truth, how can we shift that? You know, I don't really know the answer, but I do believe it becomes with asking these questions. Is what we're hearing, is it the truth? Do the facts support it? Do I believe it because of someone saying it or because I believe it? Am I a better person? And does, how does this fit in to a better good, a higher good for society? It begins with taking a close look at what we believe and why we believe it. It begins with look, see, and tell the truth first to ourselves. It begins with courage. It begins with a growth mindset. It begins with each of us holding a high value on truth and support the real heroes of our land, those who serve with little pay, who teach, who serve in our country for the countless volunteers and nonprofits. We need to give them the power. Well, we hope we've piqued your curiosity and interest in this hour in taking a look at your belief systems and and asking if those beliefs serve you and others well. Tune in next week as we take a look at managing stress, which for most of us typically increases this time of year. Are you burning brightly or are you burned out? You know, always remember, you are here on purpose for purpose. Thank you very much for listening in. And remember to send us your thoughts as every discussion improves with more perspective. We look forward to hearing yours. Thank you for tuning in this week to A Voice of Reason. Please join your host, Kathy Horton and Sherry Petro-Serdell for another edition next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until then, have a terrific week.